everyone. Welcome back to Futurist, your one-stop shop for science, history, politics, and all things related to the world of tomorrow. After immense success with SpaceX, Tesla, and other ventures, billionaire Elon Musk has recently embarked on a new mission, making human beings fast, human brains faster, smarter, and more effective. Through his company, Neuralink, Musk has been pushing the technology of BMI, or brain-machine interfaces, to its absolute limit. So in the future, will we all be telepathic cyborgs with brain implants? Or is Neuralink simply an unrealistic fantasy? We'll discuss this and more today. Next, we have Sasan with some information about the history of BMIs. Yeah, so brain-machine interfaces, also known as brain-computer interfaces, or BMIs and BCIs, they, they were first created in the 1970s in like a UCLA lab by a guy named Jacques Vidal. I'm pretty sure the National Science Foundation and DARPA, which is like the technology branch of the military, I think, funded that like research. Uh, basically, uh, they made like multi-array electrodes and uh, they recorded electrical activity and connected it with an external device. So BCIs or BMIs, they're used for like mapping the brain, augmenting the brain's functions and repairing, repairing cognitive, uh, sensory and motor functions. Uh, they can be pretty in- invasive as they are like multi-electrode arrays that are surgically implanted into your brain. However, like I think the first, uh, like continuing on the history of them, I think the first time uh, the the neuroprosthetic devices were used, which are like really really related to the BMIs, uh, that was in the 1990s, with neural stimulation uh, being used to restore functional connectivity and uh, to fix behavior disorders. All right, so I'm going to talk about like a few of the existing tools we have for BMIs. So one of the tools we have is called the fMRI. So this is a non-invasive recording tool that shows basically information about what's going on in the brain. It uses the same MRI technology that's used for many other parts of the body, such as like the chest. And uh, it can usually be used to track changes in, in blood flow. And it's a fairly old technology, like it was invented in the 1970s. There's also the EEG, or electroencephalography, which is an array of electrodes that's non-invasively attached to the head surface, so it doesn't require any surgery or anything. And it records electrical activity in like different regions of the brain, and it obtains much more specific information than the fMRI, and it can identify a range of neurological disorders, like for example, epilepsy. So it's very helpful in that regard in medicine. And it's a very old technology invented over a century ago, uh, by Hans Berger, uh, like in the 1920s, I believe. And but there's one problem, main problem with it, which is that it can't differentiate between regions of the brain, or in other words, it has no spatial resolution, which leads to like a decreased like accuracy and, effic- and efficacy. There's also the ECOG or electrocardiography, which is a uh, similar to the EED, but it's a little more invasive. It's under the skull and requires surgery, and it can track much more accurate information. And lastly, we have two tools called local field potentials and single unit recordings, which unlike everything we've talked about so far, these are very invasive tools and they're, con- they're like basically needles that are stuck into their brain, but they can record mer- very accurate, extremely accurate information. 
and very specific information about the brain at a low scale. Yeah, uh, can you name the two uh, invasive ones again? Local, yeah, local, local and single unit recordings. Yeah, so single unit recordings, I'm pretty sure they record one single neuron. I think the needles like goes below this uh the surface of a neuron but uh multi multi like uh multi-electrode arrays are basically just multiple arrays inserted to the brain and most of these bmi and bci technologies we're going to talk about use this type of uh like uh this type of uh technology so continuing on the history i forgot to mention that in 1999 Yang Dan from uh, Berkeley, he decoded neuronal firings to reproduce images seen by cats. And uh, the, the multi-electrode array was put in the thalamus, uh, a region called the lateral geniculate nucleus, which uh, integrates uh, vision input and sends them to the occipital lobe in the brain to be processed. Uh, this was later also done with humans in Japan. So basically, uh, neurons, obviously, they communicate with electric uh, potent, put, like impulses. And the patterns of these impulses kind of can, uh, when decoded, they can kind of tell you what activity the brain's doing. So what these scientists in, in different labs around the United States, in Berkeley, in Pittsburgh, in all those universities did, is basically they decoded uh, using algorithms what these signals meant so now uh you could actually carry out the purpose of these signals even with like uh injuries like to the spine to the brain and uh they these uh some of them record signals from the brain and some of them stimulate so uh the why the, the stimulation works is due to the neuroplasticity of the brain so the brain like when you're born it's not like a uh, like an object set in place uh the synapses the re receptors the neurotransmitters all of them change as you gain experiences and learn new things so this plasticity concept was used uh to like develop these uh bmis uh and yeah so like adding a new natural sensor like cochlear implants and retinal implants that we're going to talk about later on. Uh, the, uh, you, the, the concept of neuroplasticity can kind of help the brain uh, adapt to these technologies and make BMIs very useful. Yeah, so clearly uh, even our current BMIs are incredibly useful. And But there's one like main problem with our existing BMI tools, which I mentioned previously. It's that like, while some BMI tools can uh, like measure stuff at a large scale, like, for example, the fMRI can generate images of the whole brain. Uh, and other BMIs can like track very accurate, very specific, like high-resolution information at a, at a scale of a single neuron, like the single unit recordings. There's no tool so far like uh, that's been developed which can combine both of these into like a strong like uh, micro-level brain imaging tool at a large scale. That's one of the like uh, problems which companies like Neuralink are working on, which we'll discuss yeah. later. Yeah, so... Uh, in order for that to happen, to like have the same resolution, but also have a larger scale, uh, basically uh, the electrodes have to be scaled. So, so like right now, they use a hundred, like two hundred, three hundred, like like around those numbers of electrodes. 
every t- every single time a chip's insert inserted into the brain. However, for like a whole brain, like uh, accurate recording, you need like a million electrodes. So that's the challenge with with this technology right now. Uh, so I kind of wanted like talk about uh, the different places it's being used. So like we know of of, the, of their various uses. So some of their uses of, of these BMIs are in neuroprosthetics. With like retinal implants, cochlear implants. We'll go more in detail with each one of those. Just an interesting fact that I had is that 220,000 people worldwide today use cochlear implants uh, to like regain some hearing. Pacemakers were like one of the early first uh, BMIs used. Uh, there's been like experiments with prosthetics and, or- and artificial limbs where like monkeys and like humans, they've been able to navigate uh, computer cursors by just thinking about it or uh, move prosthetic arms by just thinking about it. In Neuralink, they use pigs, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had a monkey playing video games. They have like pigs uh, motion decoded. So that's like the type of technology that's being used right now. So uh, yeah, these BMIs definitely have a lot of potential that we'll go more into uh, later on. Yeah, we often have an idea that like uh, cyborgs or like part human, part machine, like combinations are just like a thing in science fiction or television. But like as your statistics shows, like they're out, they're honestly like still a thing today and have been a thing for a while, like with a bit of all the technology like pacemakers but uh moving on from that oh did you want to say something yeah i would even argue that uh just having like a smartphone kind of could qualify us as cyborgs because it's like a third input of like information like sometimes we like we basically like uh store memories in our brain right but we could also store memories like our notes app on on our phone so even though it's not technically like a cyborg, like definition-wise, uh, it just shows that like we've been we've been attached more and more to technology, and as these technologies develop, they could even end up in our own bodies and uh, help us more that way. Yeah, that's true. In the developed world today, like modern life is almost like indistinguishable from technology. Like it's such a like ubiquitous part of modern life. And I also wanted to talk, t- touch on like a. One type of BMI which is interesting is motor cortex BMIs. So these type of these BMIs interpret the motor cortex's neurons, which normally control movement, and they use them for a different purpose. So for example, we have the motor cortex BMIs which can interpret a human's thoughts that about moving a cursor into actual cursor movement on a computer. So basically it's a sort of mind reading to control like movement functions. And like as Hassan mentioned, this is already prevalent in prosthetics. And we're, we're going to see, like, in the future, a lot of brain-to-brain communication as well through yeah. motor cortex BMIs. And one experiment I found interesting was that uh, two people in separate buildings, they got them to work together and play a full-fledged video game, like, simply through their thoughts. It's kind of insane. Yeah, so talking more about that, like, motor, motor cortex, like, BMIs, uh, a guy, like, I'm pretty sure in, like, one of the recent World Cups, the starting touch was uh, made by a guy who's paralyzed, but through an exoskeleton controlled by a BMI, he was able to take the first touch of the game. Uh, that opened one of the World Cups. Uh, pretty sure it was in Brazil because the like 2014 because uh, the doctor is Brazilian and he's pretty famous in this field. 
So yeah, in motor, motor cortex, uh, like BMIs, it's true that they re- record like uh, neuron firings from like the motor cortex, and wirelessly send it to like uh, a prosthetic or a computer device, and uh, like they already developed algorithms that decode these uh, signals. To like, for example, if if you usually like move your hand to, to the right and there's a specific signal uh, for like the velocity of your hand for the force that you apply for all of that, uh, they've been deco- they've been able to decode all of that and send the exact like uh, command to the to the computer or prosthetic to control it. But one important aspect of uh, of this technology is that it also needs feedback, so it needs to be like in a closed loop. So that way, uh, like it, it can uh, correct itself in an open loop where like uh, you cannot see what's happening. These technologies' uh, efficacy and like working kind of declines. Uh, so they need to like find a way to fix it as well. Wait, can you like explain what you mean by like closed loop? Yeah. So uh, let's say we're controlling a prosthetic, right? And we see the prosthetic. So by just seeing it, we can kind of see if, if our commands are working or not. Uh, the same thing goes, like, uh, these prosthetics could have, like, sensors on them that kind of, like, tells them where they are in space. That way they can, like, be better handled. Like, th- these sensory input is, like, wirelessly sent back to the electrode arrays in the brain. So this way, the function would improve. If it did not have this function, like, it, it would not be able to add to like micro control different things and uh would not work as well so that's what oh yeah that's interesting yeah motor cortex neurons are definitely like one of the areas in bmi research which we should definitely keep an eye out on yeah they can have massive impacts on our lives they're pretty useful too like for example let's say someone has a spinal injury so they cannot control their hands or legs anymore because uh the spine that like connects the brain to these uh nerves uh, it's broken. So basically, what could ha- what could be done is like just inserting a BMI into the brain uh, and having some like wireless receptors in the like limbs. Uh, you could uh, directly transfer this, the signals from the brain to the nerve endings that uh, without going through the spinal spine, which is injured. So that way, you could restore like motor function. Or, yeah, uh, BMIs. Yeah. Yeah, BMIs can definitely make like medical miracles like that happen, which is incredible. And on that note, I also we can we can now talk about like uh, the cochlear implants, which yeah. can do a dim- similar function but for hearing. And so basically, to like uh, put it in a nutshell, the cochlea is the primary part of the ear that converts airwaves that are coming from like the outside into electrical impulses in the brain that are interpreted as sounds. And so most people who are deaf or who have hearing hearing problems. They actually have issues with their cochleas rather than like their outer ears. And so what cochlear implants are, are devices placed into the ear with a microphone on one end and an array of electrodes on the other. And this allows people to obtain some hearing again, people who are deaf. However, cochlear implants are still in very early stages and they still have nothing close to real hearing. And retinal implants are something very similar, but for eyes, like helping to reconnect like the brain and eye and help blind people to have some semblance of vision again. You have anything to say on either of those? Uh, yeah, so I was, I, I'm gonna like kind of touch on those as well. So the cochlear imp- implants, 
uh, yeah, they kind of basically just try to replace your ear's function. They, uh, they, like take take voice input, like audio input. They store different frequencies and they stimulate your auditory nerve. Uh, so right now, the amount of electrodes used is not enough to like gain the same hearing level as you would uh, with your normal ear. But with like about 35 electrodes, uh, you would pro- pretty much have the same kind of function as a normal ear would have. And right now, I think they're most like 16 electrodes is what's being used. So for retinal implants, you kind of have the same thing. So right now we have like about 60 electrodes used. So when they're inserted, the person can regain some visual functions such as seeing edges, seeing light and dark spots. But uh, with about 600 to 1000 electrodes, you could see and recognize faces, which is a, which is that would, if that technology can be implement, implemented in a widespread scale, that basically just eliminates uh, birth deafness and blindness which is a pretty big uh, medical miracle i also want to talk about like speech synthesizers so as you know like some people are not able to produce speech or uh so they have aphasia or they might not be able to like decode speech like understand what somebody else is saying i think that's called vernix aphasia Uh, with these uh bmis you could basically restore those functions if you can decode what the speech uh signals are you can try to stimulate uh the neurons and uh same thing for understanding speech so basically all functions of the brain when they go wrong and you know like you have algorithms that decoded these neural signals you can uh pretty much restore the normal function of the human brain which is pretty interesting yeah and uh it's true that, like, while uh, in, in current stages of development, like cochlear implants, retinal implants, and speech synthesizers, they still can't really get to the level of the human body. Like, there's been rapid progress made in all of these. And within, like, the next, like, few decades, they likely can and might even surpass, like, the, uh, the ability for the human body, which would be incredible to see. And also, uh, one more, like, item of BMI use that I'd like to touch on is called deep brain simulation. And so this is when one or two electrode wires uh, with multiple electrode sites are inserted into the brain and connected to a pacemaker, which is inserted into the body, usually around the upper chest area. And together, these devices can serve several medical functions relating to the body or especially the chest, such as reducing like the tremors related to Parkinson's disease. Now we can like uh, transition into like the future of BMIs. before we do that i kind of want to talk about something else right before so as you just said uh deep brain stimulation can reduce parkinson's tremors seizures uh like reduce ocd symptoms ptsd all that but uh, another interesting aspect that we kind of touched on but we didn't go like into the specifics of is like telepathy so uh even though it's kind of it's kind of like a sci-fi concept right now it's it's kind of been experimentally proven to kind of like be able to work in the future so this scientist the brazilian scientist we talked about before in the world cup thing the same guy his name is i think uh nicole lilies or something like that he had different rats uh in like rats in the united states and rats in brazil so what happened was in the experiment there were two transparent boxes in brazil 
one had like food a reward and the other did not so uh the rat had to uh like uh press a button that uh corresponded with the with the box that had the food in, in brazil in the united states the rat could not see the boxes the boxes were not transparent so you would just expect uh, a 50 percent chance of the rat getting the right uh, like box to get the reward but since these rats were telepathically like connected through the internet the neuronal like uh decoding and like recording on the rats in brazil caused the rats in usa to have a 64 percent success rate so their success rate increased pretty significantly and this is just like an early stage of this technology as you said it's also been worked on people with like uh people person person in one room having the controller and the person in another room uh, like seeing the screen and them playing a video game so uh yeah like that's a that's a, another interesting function and the last interesting function that i uh like just uh heard like heard about is uh fixing disorders of consciousness such as like when you're in coma so when you're in coma there's a lot of like medical uh questions that need to be resolved and since you're unconscious they kind of just make it for you or like ask your loved ones to like make it for you but uh like in some stages of coma you're act- you're actually like able to make those decisions you just cannot communicate them so what they can do is they can decode like signals from the human brain without you even communicating what you want like just speaking it because you're in a coma state uh if you're in like a, in a early stage of coma they can kind of decode what you want uh and like get an answer from you without you even saying anything which is pretty interesting it kind of looks, looks like a miracle yeah that kind of solves one of the ethical dilemmas related with comas and yeah. uh it's that also was, pretty incredible yeah go on uh no i was just gonna say now we can transition into the topic you want oh yeah yeah, I also wanted to say, like, that's incredible that you were able to get a mouse in Brazil in the USA to connect, like, yeah. telepathically. Too. Yeah, it's like, they're on the level of humans, essentially. And, like, uh, yeah, so Neuralink uh, is a company which is, like, in the news recently for BMI. And so what Neuralink is, is a company cr- uh, started by Elon Musk and seven other co-founders, mostly researchers in the fields of neuroscience and BMI technology including many professors from famous universities like Berkeley and UCSD. And so uh, Elon and these uh, other like co-founders, their goal is like in the short term to treat like brain diseases. But in the long term, their goal is to eventually like enhance the human mind, like making it faster, smarter, etc. And like, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Elon Musk has said it's largely been based on like science fiction, but it could turn to reality. Yeah. And, uh, they... Neuralink is pretty interesting. They kind of they have like one robot surgeon that they made themselves. It can surgically implant a multi-array electrode, like with a hundred uh, electrodes, into your brain without even bleeding. Like it kind of just finds where the arteries and the veins are and avoids them. So, yeah, that's so pretty, that was pretty interesting to me. Uh, that like they kind of eliminated one of the problems people would have with these with this new technology, which is invasiveness. Another problem kind of has is bandwidth. Uh, I know that Neuralink is trying to solve this with like uh, making smaller 
electrodes and implanting them into the brain. So right now, uh, the maximum number of neurons that can be recorded at the time is 500. However, uh, the Stevens the Stevenson's law for like these electrodes states that uh, every 7.4 years, the number of neurons that can be decoded is doubled. It, it, this this is kind of an analogy to the Moore's law for computers that stated yeah. that every two years uh, you you had doubled the number of transistors. So unless uh, so there there needs to be like a uh, revolutionary technology that increases the pace if we want to implement this technology faster at a larger scale, like how we printed transistors into like computer chips. There needs to be a revolutionary technology that still has not arrived to like kick this. Uh, tech to the next level yeah uh elon musk has also done several demonstrations so far with Neuralink, including one demonstration where he implanted like uh some like chips into a pig like making neural technology work with that and he's also made uh, interestingly a few monkeys play video games and uh at one live demonstration musk described the device as like a fitbit in the skull just kind of cool but it's also important to note that many researchers have heavily criticized uh, Neuralink and Elon. For example, the MIT Technology Review, which is one of the most prestigious newspapers in the science world, has said that like Neuralink's demonstrations are just a stir excitement, and they've said that Neuralink has no evidence they can treat like any of the diseases that Elon Musk has like claimed they could treat. And uh, yeah, and also like at least 23 monkeys recently were found to have died in Neuralink experimentation. It's like 21% of their entire monkey count. Which raises some like animal ethics issues, and also some safety issues regarding it. And Elon Musk has even said that like Neuralink should be ready by 2022. But he did say this like a bit earlier, so it's unsure if uh, like he's still on this timeline. But yeah, yeah, it's still like a questionable field. Like, yeah, there is definitely some ethics concerns there. And uh, Neuralink is actually not like the most innovative uh, brain chip company right now. It's, it's kind of like more famous. Just because Elon Musk is the founder, uh, it's it's like the the new ideas are there, like using wireless uh, BMIs and the robot I just talked about. However, the, like actual BMI itself, the number of electrodes they have, it's not like the top uh, BMI uh, company that's available. But uh, since like since other companies like Tesla and SpaceX have improved a lot and innovated, it'll be interesting to see if we can also do this with this company. Uh, yeah, so I also wanted to talk about, like, some, uh, relevant technologies, technologies to this field. So, DARPA, they have a brain project, it's just called a brain project. They aim to have one million electrodes, uh, stored in, like, the place of, like, two nickels, like, in that small of a space. Uh, I thought that was kind of relevant. There's also some new technologies with, like, silk interfaces that are printed on your body like a tattoo they can kind of uh like uh, receive some sensory input and send it to their brain uh they're basically like electrodes but uh printed like kind of tattooed on your body then we have the transmagnetic uh stimulation uh which basically we have a magnetic coil around the brain it induces an electric field uh, in the brain to stimulate like a specific function uh, is kind of used to alleviate some uh, problems such as like Parkinson's tremors and 
like OCD, PTSD. It's uh, it's in the early stage right now, but it's pretty like promising. And the last two are neuronal dust, which are like tiny sensors that communicate with ultrasound, and also optogenetics, optogenetic stimulation, which kind of use photons to like activate and deactivate certain genes in your body to stimulate a certain nerve. So I yeah, thought those yeah. were pretty interesting technologies that were relevant to BMIs, and uh, could could also lead to like BMIs also being improved. Yeah, those technologies are definitely going to like revolutionize the field since they're so much like stronger and uh, more effective than the ones we covered at the beginning of the video, like EEGs and like uh, fMRIs. And like combined with like the increased funding with Neuralink, which like as you said, it's not even the only like major company working in BMIs right now. This could like cause a uh, extreme progress or like rapid progress in BMIs in the next few decades. And I've uh, even read one article which said that even by 2030, we might even use like BMIs instead of iPhones. I don't know if that's like a realistic timescale, but it's uh, still like interesting. I personally think maybe like 2050, 2060 times, like the first time, they actually will be implemented in a, in a way to augment like human beings, not just to like correct our like disorders. Like by augment, I mean like, uh, there's like a bunch of functions that they talk about right now. For example, storing memories, like for people with Alzheimer's and stuff, that could be helpful to like. So memories are basically just like neural like firings stored in your brain. So like re-stimulating those neurons can uh, uh, like re uh, kind of like revive the memory. So they, they're talking about doing that. They're talking about like increased learning and like uploading like language learning and stuff into your brain. Like those kind of functions that augment human beings, I don't think they're gonna come around that quickly. I also read a book uh, named Livewired by a guy named David Eagleman. He has like a biotech company too. Uh, so that guy, he talks about like adding sensory input into the brain. For example, having ultraviolet or infrared sensors uh, and like training the brain using the neuroplasticity concept to understand those signals. So like, People are looking at the animal world to see what kind of like sensory input they have that humans do not and trying to like just add that experience to human beings as well. If that happens, I think we, we can kind of call ourselves cyborgs, but I do not think that's going to happen anytime fast. So, yeah, yeah I, personal uh, take on that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that like medical uses of BMIs are definitely like far more uh, like in, near into the future. And like a true, like human augmentation uses of BMIs are happening right uh, now. Like with cultural implants and stuff, although they're not great, but like they've started to be implemented. Yeah, I've heard Elon Musk. I've heard him say that like a neurological disease might be entirely a thing of the past if we can get these BMIs as advanced enough. And yeah, but like even though they aren't in that high stages yet, augmentation BMIs like create many ethical issues, which we can discuss now. Like for yeah. example, one is. One ethical issue I found, yeah. Uh, like one ethical issue I found interesting we can talk about is like, uh, how can we ensure that users, they don't become the victims of like, technolo technological indentured servitude, where you have to like keep paying, for like security updates or like continuing technology, or else like actually suffer. Like right now, like we can like either choose to update our phones, well, not update our phones, right? Like if our entire brains 
or essentially like at-large smartphones like what happens if we don't pay for like an update yeah also like problems with, like hacking uh just like being taken control of by another being or just problems with like invasiveness causing problems later on or problems with just like the experiments as you mentioned with, like the monkeys dying so yeah. yeah but like the ethical issue you brought up uh, i think it's pretty interesting too like uh you what if like a company takes a monopoly over these bmis and uh since everybody has it you're kind of like forced to uh accept what they say and they'll become like the most powerful entity that there is so yeah, yeah there are definitely some ethical issues but uh, like just the general like i still think bmis are positive i think these like issues can be prevented i think like the, the logic behind them is that like the nervous system is a circuit like right now if, if like you have an electrical circuit and something breaks you alter it you add something new to it or uh, you add like a new wire maybe yeah a new branch or something so the brain is kind of like that but uh, since it's biological we've not been able to add add a new like a communication way but with these like bmis i think we've been finally able to like uh think about it and kind of solve that and also like the brain is like a live uh organ it changes with experiences with, with memory like when you learn violin or piano or something your receptors your synapses change so that way you can learn uh learn the specific skill you're trying to do so the brains the flexibility of the brain allows you allows you to like train in new things like uh like if a new sense is added or like even right now with like cochlear implants and stuff they train the people who have those implants uh to like learn to decode those those signals so i think those two con- concepts are the logic behind these bmis and i see them as a general positive that could eliminate like neurological problems and even augment human beings increase our communication speed like like when we try to communicate with words we cannot com- completely describe what we're thinking like let's say i had a dream last night that i'm trying to describe to you i cannot completely describe it with words or if, if I'm sensing something or having an emotion, uh, words cannot completely describe how, how I'm feeling. They're kind of like a communication barrier. And we've been using language since like forever, since like uh, the first time human beings have been around, like 50, 60,000 years ago, maybe more, like Homo sapiens, or like 100,000 years ago, whatever. So it's, I think it's finally time to add a layer to that. And I think BMIs could help, but I see the ethical concerns there too. Yeah, that's an interesting point you said earlier about monopolies, though, because, uh, like, essentially, like, Neuralink, even if it's not the most innovative, they are, like, heavily funded, much more than any other company. And they have support from the world's richest man. Like, they could very reasonably become a monopoly. But at the same time, uh, your pros about BMIs make a lot of sense, too. One thing that I would add is, like, there's a lot of, like, social issues regarding BMIs. For example, like, income inequality. Like, the effects of debt are already quite great. But imagine if, like, the rich could pay for like brain implantations to like make themselves smarter or like make their brains run faster like this could fuel like pretty immense class divides and like could fuel a lot of like social problems yeah i kind of saw a poll recently that uh talked about like bmis and their popularity they were even less popular than like genetic engineering so people definitely see those concerns and are kind of like scared of the new technology coming up so 
I think scientists yeah. need to address this issue and like try to prevent these things from happening and reassuring the people so they can have increased trust in technologies that could actually help them. Yeah, that's definitely true. And one final thing we can touch on before we end this episode is mind uploading. So this is basically like the the pinnacle of like BMIs, like very long term, like far into the future thing. But this is the idea that the entire brain, uh, like all of the electrical syndicals, can be like uh, put into a computer and replicated, essentially like giving a person like an afterlife in a digital realm, which is like very interesting stuff. It would require a incredible amount of like computer power would probably require quantum computing but uh, in the future it's very possible like probably like uh, many decades down the line maybe like 2100 at the earliest but this also yeah. poses a lot of like unique ethical concerns i think and, yeah connectomes which are like full brain models that are being developed right now with like all the synapses and all the receptors and everything being mapped these can kind of pave the way to the future, like mind uploading thing. But yeah, I do not see it happening very soon. I maybe even think 2100 is, is even like maybe too early of a prediction as well. Like I see it happening a couple centuries from now. It's like really tough. We do not even know like uh, the scale of consciousness or just like where it originates from. And mind is like really dependent on consciousness. So until we figure out what consciousness is and what part of our body uh, it originates from, I think we cannot really figure out mind uploading uh, until that time. That's a good point. And like, even our cochlear implants right now, they can give us like very minimal hearing. So it's definitely like too early to like worry about Predict things like mind uploading. This part of the future, yeah. yeah. Like it yeah, kind of like, goes into the realm of sci-fi. Yeah, we also don't know like how much technological progress is going to expand into the future. But yeah. It's still yeah. interesting to conceptualize. Do you have any like ending takes on Neuralink VMI and like uh, like cyborgs idea, in general? Yeah, I think the idea behind them is really good. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen in the future. I think they have a lot of promise uh, and I think their ethical concerns can be eliminated. I think all new technology has ethical concerns, even like smartphones. They had ethical concerns, television, radio, everything that's been new. People were first scared of it until we figure out ways to like solve the ethical concerns. Some of the problems haven't been solved, but like we've learned to adapt. We're an adaptive species. I think we can do it. And uh, yeah, I think the the, pro the benefits are really interesting. Like just being able to learn more, have uh, memory, just like communicate mind to mind without like direct communication. These things uh, seem really interesting to me, and I hope. We can actually implement them while minimizing the risks, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's very true. Like, even when cars were invented, like, there was widespread black backlash to them for, like, posing a, ma a massive danger to humans. And, like, well, I think I would still be a bit more pessimistic or, like, I may be a bit more skeptical than you on BMIs because I think that, uh, like, the progress that's been made is, like, not as much as, like, people like Elon Musk are saying. I feel like a lot of the like more like uh, out of the norm things like augmenting like brain function I think that's still like into the future and I also feel like a lot of ethical concerns uh, need to be addressed and before like they can really be like made into a part of human life but regardless uh, like obviously BMIs are incredible technology which have the potential to 
destroy like neurodegenerative diseases as we know it. And so we should definitely like keep an eye out in the future as to what happens to, to, to BMIs and Neuralink and many other technologies too. Like this entry for humans is going to be like revolutionary with like rapid technological growth around the world. So you have to keep an eye out for what the future will hold. It's yeah, a right good reason before, to like, yeah. Yeah, right before, uh, you can go on and then I'm going to say like one last thing. Yeah, so that's a good reason to like subscribe to the futures. We'll like yeah. continue discussing in future episodes, uh, like technologies, uh, political concepts, uh, economic concepts, which are going to change the world in the and coming century. Yeah, sports too. Yeah, so what I wanted to say is that, uh, like, this episode, at least for me, it was kind of inspired by uh, a Tim Urban article on uh, Neuralink, on, like, Way by Why. I think that was pretty interesting. And also a book named Live Virus by David Eagleman. Uh, I hope we can have, like, people like that feature on our next episodes. We'll keep you updated if we're able to do this later on. Yeah. But we'll also link both of those to our channels for these updates. Yeah, we'll link both of those in the description below. Yeah. But yeah, uh, stay tuned for our next episode coming soon, and uh, we'll see you later on the futures. The brain rocks. <laughs>